Welcome to PS, the Puget Sound podcast, where we're talking to members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker, and my guest today is Travis Bender, a senior from Redwood City, California. Today, as always, the Puget Sound podcast is recorded and produced by Moonyard Studio right here in Tacoma. Here's Travis. Travis, welcome to the Puget Sound podcast. Thank you, Elena. Glad to be here. Delighted to have you. Why don't we start by having you just situate yourself for people? What year are you in school? What are you studying? Kind of give me the resume right mm-hmm. off the bat. Okay, for sure. Um, so I'm Travis Bender. I'm originally from uh, Redwood City, California, which is just south of San Francisco, um, right in right in the top of Silicon Valley between San Francisco, California, and San Jose. Um, I am a senior, which is really scary right now. Um, it's on my second day into my senior year, um, and I haven't had everything figured out yet. So this is kind of a big wake-up call for me. Um, for my majors, I'm a double major in our business business leadership program and a double major with economics as well. Uh, don't have any minors because those keep me busy. And then outside the classroom, I'm involved with a couple of things on campus. So the first um, is our swim team um, here. I'm a captain for our swim team. I am also the scholarship chairman for my fraternity. I also serve as the director of PR for the Interfraternity Council, um, which oversees all the fraternities on Puget Sound's campus. I'm a um, campus coordinator for the admissions office. So that means I help schedule tours and like make sure the visitors get to meet the people they want to meet and have a really optimized experience. And then lastly, um, and I know I'm kind of running, I have a big long list, um, but I do um, participate in our Puget Sound Investment Club as well. So I help manage our portfolio um, um, for the university with a team of students who are also interested in finance and business and, and things like that. Thomas, one of the things that I have wanted to talk to you about even prior to that list, but really stands out to me on your list, is that you're involved in two different aspects of Greek life. And on the podcast previously, we've had a lot of women and a lot of female-identified students who participate in Greek life and who really um, have been really enthusiastic in saying about how that's been a really different experience at Puget Sound than maybe what they thought a sorority would be like. Can you speak to, from the fraternity side of Greek life, is that something you knew you were going to get involved in? Does that fit what you might conceptualize as the sort of stereotypical frat experience or or not? Um, so I'll start from when I was an incoming student. So my, what I knew of Greek life was all t- in the typical like movies. So like the neighbors wanted neighbors too. That was my image of Greek life for like my parents, they kind of molded me into the animal house image of Greek life um, from their generation. So those that was my preconceived notion of it. And then, of course, you'd see all the all the news reports would be all like the negative aspects, the parties that get out of control, houses getting shut down, things like that. And you never, I never really saw any positive stories of Greek life. So that really, I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna. When I was graduating high school and coming to college, I was like, you know what? This isn't for me. Um, it's, it's not the culture that I'm kind of wanting to go into and things like that. So I just ended up putting in the back of my mind, forgetting about it and saying, just kind of closing the door on that. Uh, when I got to Puget Sound, I met a few of the swimmers who were in Greek life, but I still wasn't fully convinced that it was all it was like 
what it truly was in, in the real world. I always thought it was kind of the image that my parents and what I've seen in the media. And then, so Puget Sound has Greek life where they you can re- join Greek life as a first year student in the second half of the, of the year. So that'd be <clears throat> the spring. And I decided I wouldn't rush and just not do it. And I was perfectly content not being in Greek life. And then my friends, however, did. And they told me they had really positive experiences with it. And it wasn't what they had anticipated. What It wasn't what they had learned about in the media. Or, or it was a lot different um, than the kind of stereotypical portrayal of, quote, frat life. And as a sophomore, when I came um, the next year, I said, you know what? Let me just take a leap of faith and try it. And I mean, if I don't like it, I can always leave it. Um, and I ended up joining um, one of the houses and I've had a really great experience with it so far because it's, we definitely know how to like have fun and things like that, but we also do a lot of different things in terms of like leadership and community service. Um, and it's just fun to have a community of people who share the same values as you. Um, but that also it's not, we're all not the same. We're all different. We have different interests. We're involved in different hobbies and clubs and majors and activities on campus. Um, so it's great to have a common interest where we can all meet in the middle, but it's great to learn about the other things people are involved in. Um, so that really kind of stood out to me and that showed me what Greek life is actually truly about. It's not always about, oh, let's have it like a toga party on Friday night or something like that. Um, and ever since then, I kicked myself for not joining Greek life sooner. One thing that really stands out to me in your telling is that you opted in very intentionally as a sophomore. And I know a lot of people who go through the recruitment process for Greek life because they're in their first year and they, I think rightly, think, you know, I would like a little more community. I don't quite feel like I have my friends yet. This feels like ready-made community. I'll go for it. I imagine it would be a very different, just psychological or maybe decision-making experience um, to, to choose to go through the recruitment process as a sophomore once you're already a little more established on campus. Yeah. So it's definitely for me, like I had this time, I like had people's prior previous experience that I knew and they had success stories in there. So I had that. It was a little more of a like, well, if they could do it, I can do it mentality. Um, And I also thought about it a lot over the summer. I talked with my parents and I had cousins who were involved in it too. And it was a little easier for me to make it as a sophomore, but yes, I would say it was more intentional. Um, because I was thinking about it deliberately ever since I left campus my first year um, on summer summer break. And I kind of realized this is like what I want to do. I didn't want to get, I never really, I kind of try and do something new every year. Um, I don't try and become kind of complacent and get stuck in the rut. So at my sophomore year, this was like, this is the new thing that I'm going to try. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But that's kind of the, the psychological mentality that I was kind of going into. One other thing that strikes me in listening to the activities that you listed is a number of those are things that I think really in their stereotypical iterations fit a real stereotype of masculinity. You're a varsity athlete, you're deeply involved in Greek life on campus, you're studying business, but that has never really been my impression of anybody at Puget Sound who is involved in those activities is sort of as a cartoon character of the kind of person who might be involved in those. Can you speak a little bit to what happens in those communities to maybe 
push against some of those societal shapings or the forces that suggest that there is a certain way to be a man in Greek life or there's a certain way to be an athlete? Yeah. So for athletics, I think one thing that really helps, at least on our team, um, is all the practices are co-ed. We're not separated by gender in the pool, which I really enjoy um, because it helps. Like sometimes I like, we'll occasionally do like all the men's team practices, but those are, I can count on probably one hand times in a season we do those. And it's really nice to be with different people on the team. It's really nice to kind of, um, work with other people. Uh, we do often do our own like intra squad meets where we are on a team of both guys and girls. Um, so that's super refreshing to see, um, swimming, at least in my previous experience with it, um, being on club swimming for all of my childhood and on a high school team, it's always been a kind of co-ed sport. Yes. In the meets, you'll see like there's only a heat of men's and a heat of girls and, and things like that. Um, but but in terms of practices and a team, most of the team operates as one cohesive unit, which is really good to see. Um, we normally are kept separate. Um, and in Greek life, that's a little different, obviously, because you have fraternities on one side and sororities on the other side. Um, and I think that what we've done here at Puget Sound that I've noticed is we do lots of like mixers where we do activities with other sororities that aren't really like, that aren't necessarily like a party type activity there something like we've done is like plant a community garden with um, another sorority um, something that gets us outside or like go to the beach or go do an outside activity go do laser tag um, all sorts of different things like that Um, and then for like a business major um, that is a really heavily male driven field And I do notice that a lot of my professors put a big emphasis on like diversity and inclusion training, Um, not training per se, that's more of like the the technical term in a company, but diversity, inclusion, education, Um, and ways like that we can learn how to be inclusive in all environments as a student. And that's great because you get used to that now and you don't have to change your mindset when you're already in an organization. So I'm already like, I've, learned about topics and learned about stories and things like that. And I can bring that when I jump to the workforce, I have that experience under my belt um, and that knowledge, I can use that to kind of mold kind of the culture that I want to create of inclusivity um, in, in the workplace going forward. Another thing that really stood out to me in hearing you describe those activities is that you are in some sort of leadership position in almost everything that you do. You're a captain on the swim team. You're a PR coordinator um, for that. Help me out on the title, the inter fraternity council, IFC. Yeah. Thank you for the IFC. Um, And you are a scholarship chairman in your fraternity. Are those positions that you seek out? Are those the kinds of things that seem to come to you? How'd that happen? So some of them, I always like being a leader, um, not because it's not because I like to boss people around or any of that. It's more of, um, cause I like to kind of drive change and sometimes I have ideas and I think as a leader, I can really implement those. Um, and if I have a great team that I work with, which I do on all of these activities, it's really easy for me to kind of work together and help find solutions to problems. Um, that's one thing I really enjoy doing is saying like, oh, there's an issue with something and I'd like to come fix it and at least see if I can make it a little better. Um, 
for swimming, I've always known that I've wanted to be a captain. Um, I may not be the fastest person on the team. I am certainly not the fastest person on the team. Um, but what I really know that I'm good at my, like, I would say my number one strong selling point is I'm actually really optimistic and positive, even in like hard practice days. And I know that as a captain, the whole team will be looking at you um, and me kind of the upperclassmen. And I was like, well, I could either be complain and be like, oh, this set is super hard. I don't want to do this. It's five in the morning. And I can just go on and on and on and be negative. But instead, I like to be positive. I mean, yes, getting up at 5 a.m. to go swimming isn't bad, but you're doing something you love. Um, at the end of the day, you can always see the this, this sunrise and, and or beginning of the day, you can see the sunrise while you're swimming. That's pretty cool. Um, so I do like to kind of, that was one of my things that why I wanted to be a captain was I wanted to make sure everyone had a positive experience um, and be really energized to come do the sport that they loved. Um, and then for Greek life, I wound up being the scholarship chairman. Um, this one was the scholarship chair position when I was joining Greek life was kind of, it was there, but it wasn't as good as I thought it could be. Um, there wasn't a lot of engagement with it. And I decided, I was like, hmm, I have an idea. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can just put this idea out and see if it works. And basically I created like a game where whoever studies the most gets a prize um, throughout the, the weeks or so. And there would be teams and things and the winning team would get a prize as well as the individuals who participated on those teams. Um, and people all thought it was a hoot. They loved it. Um, we drove engagement um, in the study scholarship program up, which was great. So for there, that was kind of a success story for me because it shows that like sometimes I can implement good ideas um, and I enjoy kind of making changes that benefit um, organizations as a whole. That doesn't just benefit me, it helps other people in the long run. And when we're saying scholarship, are we saying scholarship in the academic sense, like studying an academic work or scholarship in the... Um, grant sense like a merit scholarship or a need-based scholarship uh both um so they call the scholarship chair um i feel like it should be called like the scholastic chair because that's more inclusive um but it's all about studying um making sure you're getting good grades um like mentoring so if you have for example like i could mentor a a younger business student um but it's also on like my fraternity gets out scholarships. So I want to make sure students are applying for those and things like that and making people aware of the opportunities they have to get grants as well. So it's a mixture of both. Sure. And one thing that strikes me about that, we've been talking a lot about how you build culture, both writ large, but also a lot of that is as an individual leader, how you build culture. And I imagine a big part of that is making sure that these values are really woven into the fabric of an organization or a community. So rather than saying, hey, everybody study and we mean it, which maybe rings a little hollow, you're really facilitating and investing in this in a way that is um, not only accessible, but also really visible to everybody around you. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it too, is it's really easy for me to tell someone to do something, but it's really hard for them to connect with it and when I start telling people what to do, it becomes more of nothing, something that they don't want to change, but more of a chore they have to do. Um, I think that I like to try and my mantra is to lead by example, not lead by telling. 
Um, Because I think if you lead by telling, you just become a micromanager and you act more like a boss and that's just not the way I kind of like to work. I'd like to be a part of the change. I like to kind of lead by example. And instead, um, I see normally that if I do something, so let's say, for example, that on the swim team, I would come in at 5 a.m. in the locker room and everyone would be looking like half asleep. They'd be kind of falling asleep, putting on their, their swimsuits and getting ready for practice. And I come in and my sense of humor at 5 a.m. isn't great, um, but it's something. And I would come in and start making jokes or asking people about like how their morning is. And I could just see that even though the jokes were like so terrible, it put a smile on their faces and then they were a little more energized in the morning. And instead of like going to the locker room and being like, Hey, you need to like hurry up and get out to practice. I just be like, started talking about something other than swimming or making a joke about something. And people would wake up and laugh. And then all of a sudden it didn't seem like 5am anymore. Um, It didn't seem the practices didn't seem as hard as it looked on the whiteboard when you first walked in. Um, So that's kind of, I've seen that in my personal life before in my other like experiences I've done. And I do want to kind of implement that in all the organizations I'm a part of as well. Lead by example. Hey there, I'm Ryan Del Rosario, assistant director of admission and school of music admission coordinator. I'm checking in to make sure you know about Puget Sound's conservatory style school of music. Puget Sound students can major or minor in music performance, music education, music business, and composition. Non-majors can take music classes, play in our ensembles, and even be eligible for scholarship. Visit pugetsound.edu slash music to find out more. But for now, back to the show. I also want to ask you, Travis, about how you came to Puget Sound. And part of the reason I'm interested in that, besides the obvious, is that you're involved in a number of activities that require a little more foresight than maybe the average person in the college admission process. So there's an additional application for the business leadership program. Oftentimes being a varsity athlete, a competitive athlete, you've been in touch with the coach or you've at least had in your head, I want to swim competitively in college ahead of time. Were those things that were definitely on your radar in the college search, or did they happen almost by coincidence? Yeah. um, So I would say that for swimming, um, when I was in my junior year of high school, I realized that I did want to do this sport beyond high school. Um, I was kind of on the fence about it, um, but I went on a few recruiting trips and I knew I wasn't going to be like division one. I wasn't any Michael Phelps, Ryan Lochte type person. Um, and I, I met a few coaches from a few different schools and I could see like what things I liked and what things I didn't like. Um, and that showed me, and what I liked was like, okay, if I was at a school with this aspect of the swimming program, I could really do well here, or I would find out like, oh, this kind of coaching style and the way they do things would make me want to quit on like day two. Um, So I kind of realized like if I wanted to swim, it would have to be like in a certain kind of conditions and and a bunch of different variables from a swimming point of view. Um, But I knew that like if I had those those opportunities and those variables, it would all work out for me. Um, I also knew I wanted to study business. economics wasn't on the cards yet. 
Um, but I looked for a school that allowed me to participate. I'm really big into participation. I don't really like being talked to or lectured. Um, I mean, lectures are okay, but I don't like having a room of 600 students and professors like a mile down the auditorium um, pointing at a PowerPoint. So I wanted a place that was more interactive learning, uh, more hands-on. Um, and I was looking for basically a small school that had a really good business program that could challenge me. Um, and I, in my searches, I came up across this program at um, Puget Sound called the Business Leadership Program, which is an honors business program. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. It's got a small cohort of, of around 25 students or less. Um, all the professors work with you hands-on. Um, participation is heavily encouraged because you have to participate in a class of 25. Um, so those were some things that I was looking for. But then like the other activities such as Greek life and the investment club, those weren't part of my searches at all. Um, like some schools I looked at didn't have Greek life or, or I wasn't really looking at the, cause I swimming was kind of what I was looking for for my uh, student life aspect. I wasn't really looking at clubs or anything like that. So that didn't factor into my, my searches. And I just stumbled upon that when I came to Puget Sound. Certainly one hallmark of the business leadership program is the mentorship component. Can you talk a little bit about what that's been for you and how that's played out in your experience? Sure. So as a soft, I'll just start with the basics. So as a sophomore in the business leadership program, um, you're assigned a mentor who may or may not be an alumni, but most likely they are an alumni of Puget Sound. And they're in a field that you might be interested in pursuing. Now, for example, like my friend Declan is a finance major um, or he's a finance emphasis in the business leadership program. And his mentor like works at a big financial investing firm in downtown Seattle. He's an alumni. So that's like a super, super one-to-one -one match um, for me. And then for other people, actually, I'll back up a little bit. For other people, um, they're also, if they're exploring a certain career field, they might have a mentor that's in that field and they can use the mentor to like say like, oh, what's your typical day like and things like that and explore that option through them. Now, my mentor was perfect for me um, because at the time she was assigned to me, um, she worked at Boeing. And, and this is important for me because I'm a huge aviation geek. Um, I love all things aviation. Um, back in high school, I went through a scholarship program. I was able to get my pilot's license before I could even learn to drive. Um, and like my friends will tell you, if they start talking about airplanes, um, I will jump in in the conversation and not stop talking about airplanes. So she was perfect because she worked on um, like one of the airline production components at Boeing. Um, so it's great to like one, have a mentor that like knew what I was talking about in terms of aviation. It was great to experience like the business side of aviation combined with um, kind of like the aerospace industry as well. And she helped me. And at the time, I didn't really know that I wanted to work for like a large company or a small company. And she really told me like, I was more afraid of like a large company because I felt like I'd just be like, I came from a small, small college and I didn't want to just be like another face in the crowd. But she said, in those large organizations, you work with a team of people and you really get to own that team. Um, and she really kind of helped me see the value of working for large organizations, being a part of global change, um, and work with people all over the world, which is pretty cool. 
And because of that, I learned that I enjoy working for big companies. Um, so I have done now two internships with larger companies. Um, one was this summer, one was back in the spring during my studio abroad experience. But she helped me kind of find that I was actually, I actually could do good things in a large organization. Plus, she also helped me with like resumes and interview tips and networking and, and things like that. She connected me with colleagues from Boeing who I could explore other career in- interests. Um, so that was, she was super helpful in that, in that realm. Um, she's not working for Boeing anymore, um, but she's also working for another large scale corporation. Um, so that will help me kind of see more of what different organizations look like as well. I'm so glad, Travis, that you brought up flight and aviation because I knew I couldn't let you go without asking you about this. Um, I should first say, maybe for listeners, I first became aware that you were a pilot because somebody said casually, I think standing around in the office, Travis is a pilot. And I said, like, Travis, like Travis, who I see several times a week. And they were like, yeah, this is ridiculous. It had not occurred to me that regular people also fly planes. How, how did you get involved and in, how did that happen? So I, as a kid, I've always liked anything like engines or wheels. Like I played with like the toy trains and the RC cars and like little model airplanes and, and boats and things like that. And like my dad loves cars and boats. And, and for me as a kid, it was especially airplanes and trains and things like that. Um, and I gradually migrated like as I got older, I was more interested in other, the typical like swimming and athletics and things like that. But the one thing that stuck with me was aviation. Um, I always, my family, we normally like, cause we have family in Hawaii. We always like did a big trip to go to Hawaii. And I always remember um, after like every flight we went there, I always like went up to the cockpit and like met the pilots who were flying the plane. That was pretty cool. Um, and I still did that like consistently. And then there was a local flying school that recently opened um, near my house and they had a program for for teens in high school that was like an aviation club you got to like hang around around small planes and meet like and you could meet and the people there it was like a flying club so it wasn't like airline pilots it was all basically people who just did this as a hobby and a lot of the people that did as a hobby weren't like older people who had lots of money they were they could be younger people and I was like oh, so this is feasible for me to get. It's not like I have to be an airline pilot to be able to do this. And then that same flying school also offered a scholarship for anyone in their junior to senior year of high school that said, if you apply and you win, we'll get you your private pilot license in this in that summer. Um, and it'll be all paid for, all the ground school and the flying and the instructor and things like that. Um, and I knew I could not afford to do this until I, I had a real job, probably after many years after college graduation. So I was just like, what the heck, I'll just apply. Um, and I was like, didn't think I'd do it. And I made like a really corny video, um, things like that, wrote an essay. And then I got a call and they selected me for this program. Um, and I was like over the moon. And like at the time, I didn't have a driver's license. Um, and I was 17, didn't know how to drive a car. And I ended up like my, I would either take like a bus and two trains to get to the airport or I'd have to like walk and take it like another bus. And, but I made it work. And at the end of the summer, I was, I was a pilot before I could, could drive. So that meant my parents would drive me to the airport, drop me off. I'd go fly a plane wherever I needed to go and then come back and land and then call my parents and take me home because I could fly the plane 
but I couldn't drive myself home. Um, so that's a little bit about that story. And I've kept up with that hobby up in Puget Sound. Um, I'm a member of a flight school um, up in Renton um, where they have airplanes I can rent. Um, and I use them about once a month and I take friends to San Juan Islands and and other places around Seattle and we all split the, the cost of gas so it's not too expensive. Um, and I've seen a lot of cool places up in the Northwest from the air. Um, so it's a, definitely a unique hobby. And I w- was fortunate enough to do it with a scholarship because I wouldn't have this opportunity now. Um, but it's definitely for me. And I've also, this summer I ended up getting a new certification to fly in zero visibility. Um, so I can now land in zero visibility, which is sounds pretty scary and it is pretty scary. Um, but I do enjoy the aspect of, of learning new things and kind of challenge myself in my flying career. As you have flown more and more, do you still feel what I imagine, especially at the beginning, would be like the thrill of I'm in charge of this plane getting off the ground? Or does it ever get to where it feels like, yeah, I've done this a million times. Like, is it exciting every time? It's very exciting. I can't, This I can, I don't think it's really cool when you realize when you take the plane and you're taxing onto the runway and you turn the plane onto the runway and you sit there waiting for your takeoff clearance and you see just like the strip of asphalt and there's no one there but you. And then Tara will say like, November 639, Sierra Papa, clear for takeoff runway 34. And you just advance a throttle to like, you literally floor it, um, which is super cool. Um, and it just, the adrenaline rush from that is awesome. Um, and the minute you lift off, one of my favorite things is when I have a friend or a person who's never been in a small plane next to me and they're in the seat next to me. And they go, as the plane lifts off, because they never sat in the front before, you can always hear them and they don't like to talk because I'm talking on the radio, but you can hear them either gasp or go like, wow, this is awesome. And they're like, obviously they can't internalize it because it's so cool. And I still have that sense of wonder. Um, like every time I go up, I'm like, I always see something new that I've never seen before, like kind of go and explore a place I haven't been to. Um, and as a safety perspective, you can't get complacent. If you get complacent, you, you don't lose, you lose that edge you have over everyone else. Um, so I try and treat every flight like it was my first ever flight alone. Um, and it's so far knock on wood. Um, I haven't had any issues with that. Um, but it's always exciting. I never get it's never boring. I never go to the airport and be like, "Ugh, I have to go fly a plane today." It's always like, "This is like one of the best days of my life because I get to go and do something I love and, and fly a plane." What's the coolest thing you've ever seen from the air? Um, one time when I was in California, I was going to this airport up um, along the northern California coast called Shelter Cove. It said you can look it up on, on Google. It's a very tiny town. But on the way there, we were overflying the coast um, and you could see um, humpback whales um, spouting and things because you were you were high enough or low enough that you could still see them, but high enough that you could kind of like see them in the ocean from a little bit of a distance and you could see them blowing the air and you can see like the mother and the, and the daughter uh, moving along going north back up to Alaska. Um, so that was probably something that you can't see from land. You can probably see from boat but it's really cool seeing them actually migrate um, and head up north. Travis, 
we end every episode of the podcast by asking everybody the same four questions. The first question is, where is your favorite place on campus? I would say it's the pool, um, but I've been there so much. I really consider it a second home and it's not really just not like my favorite place to unwind. Um, so I would say my favorite place is probably the, the dining hall because it's the place that my team goes um, after practices, no matter how hard the practice is, we always just go and eat and hang out there. Um, I can always find like my friends there too, my brothers in Greek life. Um, and it's always a place where we can unwind and kind of talk about what we did today, um, jokes we heard or stories, things like that. It's just a great kind of melting pot of, of everything Puget Sound. Everyone's there. Um, I can choose kind of who I want to sit with. And if it's like with my swim team, we're all like, um, we're all on the same table. Um, and it's like, there's always like 40 of us in the dining hall and we're all talking. And I think everyone knows like when the swim team comes in, because people start moving tables so we can have like a full table to sit at, which is really funny. Um, and we're always just like one big unit that's in the dining hall. Um, and I've had lots of good conversations there. And like, we end up doing this thing where we only mean to eat there for like 20 minutes and then stay two hours. Um, so that's, one place that's probably my favorite place on campus. Plus, as a swimmer, I like to eat, and there's food down there. What are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading um, – oh, the books are here. Uh, it's Day Trading 101. Um, it's just a – I'm not interested in becoming a day trader, but the knowledge in that book, the terms I, I, I'm learning are great for, like, investing in your own 401K. Um, I think it helps me with investment club because I'm not super knowledgeable in that field. Um, so I'm just trying to get a little bit of a leg up and learn a little bit more about the field that I'm interested in. And that way, when I pitch stocks, um, I kind of have a better idea of the terms I'm throwing around and what to look for, what's a good stock that I want to pitch, things like that. Where is the best place to eat in Tacoma? Ooh, that is a big question. Um, there's a couple places that I like, and it's really hard to pick one. Um, I like Cook's Tavern because one, it's within walking distance of Tacoma, of, oh, I mean, not of Tacoma, of the Puget Sound campus. Um, it's, of course it's in Tacoma and they have a rotating menu. So if you go like once every two months or so, the menu will be different than the last time you saw it. So if you go and sometimes they'll have like New Orleans cuisine the next, next time they'll have French food and then time after that will be Hawaiian. So if you don't like what they have one month, you can go the next month. It'll be something totally different. Um, but the food's always really good. Um, and they have their own like American spin on it, Pacific Northwest flavors, things like that. I've always enjoyed going there. Um, the Hawaiian food is definitely my favorite. Um, because as I said, like some of my mom originally stayed in Hawaii. So I was blessed with good Hawaiian food growing up. Um, and so eating that makes me feel like I'm back on like visiting my family in Hawaii. So I would say that's probably my favorite place to eat in Tacoma. Um, there's many others. Um, that's not the only good place, but it's one of my favorites. Travis, lastly, what makes Puget Sound special? I think Puget Sound is special because it's a place where you can be whoever you choose and people will see that and be like, that is awesome. Um, for me, 
I can go up to people and talk about airplanes and flying and they'll listen and they'll think that's like the coolest thing ever. And they'll like ask me about flying and things like that. Um, or I could go up and ask someone about something they're interested in. And then I know they're really passionate about it. Um, people here are very passionate about the things they're involved in, whether it be their majors or their athletics or their clubs or just their hobbies that are outside of school. And when you have that passion, it really shows among the student body because they, they take pride in what they do and really enjoy, really enjoy the aspects of that kind of their, the field they're interested in. Um, and I think as you look at like academics, for example, like even the professors are super knowledgeable in their field and they'll be happy to talk about, they're happy to like deviate from the lectures and share their insight on current events. And then the students will be happy to talk about anything that they're they're feeling and, and passionate about as well in the classroom. Um, so it's not always you're in a classroom to only learn, you're in a classroom to also hear about other perspectives um, from some very passionate people who are interested in those subjects. So that's, um, to me, that's why Puget Sound is special. Travis Bender, thank you for joining me on the Puget Sound podcast. Thank you so much for letting me talk today, Elena. Really appreciate it. It's great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to PS, the Puget Sound podcast. If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for PS, the Puget Sound podcast.